Yate, hello, and welcome to our Tribal Voices from the Pandemic panel. She'e Ali Young and She, Totoni Nishlan, Tohana Bashishin, Nakaidin at Bashishin, Nat Odin at Hachini Dashanele. Today's discussion with our guests, President Jonathan Nez, Dr. Chris Percy, and Dr. Hu, will focus on the Navajo Nation vaccine rollout, addressing the success of the vaccine rollout, tribal sovereignty, and reflecting on being a year into the pandemic. This is part four of a series of panel discussions with Native leaders, frontline heroes and allies that is a collaboration between CORE, Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health and Protect the Sacred. This series is designed to amplify Native voices and perspectives and bring attention to the impact of the COVID pandemic on Native communities. Welcome President Nez, Dr. Percy and Dr. Hu, and thank you for joining us today. Let's start with introductions to give our audience a sense of our background and the work you do. Uh, Dr. Uh, President Nez, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Jonathan Nez, uh, the president of the Navajo Nation, and it is my honor to be a uh, part of this uh, discussion with some uh, awesome uh, physicians and our warriors that have been on the front line, and I've been uh, shoulder to shoulder with the, these uh, two doctors, uh, Dr. Hu and Dr. Percy, throughout this pandemic, and have shown some awesome leadership on the front lines. And that's what our people need to see during the this time of uh, difficulty with this pandemic. And I just want to say, first of all, I appreciate their leadership and what they have been doing for the Navajo people. So thank you, Ali. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Percy, uh, you can go next and um, just let us know what uh, area of practice you practice. Good morning, um, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, Chris Percy in a chef. I'm a family practice doctor here in Shiprock. I've been working here for about 36 years now. Uh, so really have uh, appreciated um, the relationships uh, that have helped us to make it through this struggle. So uh, appreciate the partnership with Napa Nation with the other um, healthcare providers. I've known Dr. Who for a long time. I know Ali since she was little and uh, glad to be here uh, to share some of the stories uh, of the struggle that folks have been uh, going through this past year. Uh, my clan is wooden shoe people. The clan I'm born for is the people that eat lots of potatoes or Irish people. So glad to be here with you. And Dr. Hu, if you can introduce yourself. Uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Diana Hu. I'm a pediatrician here at Tuba City and uh, have been here um, basically 35 years. Um, I've seen a lot of kids growing up, uh, seen a lot of um, new families, and um, obviously this has been one of the biggest challenges ever <laughs> of our medical careers, of our for our, both uh, for us here and, and for our country. And um, I'm also the maternal child health coordinator for the Navajo Area Indian Health Service. And um, I'm also the immunization coordinator for the Navajo Area, Navajo Area Indian Health Service. So that's how we get thrown in the fray, right? Um, um, specifically, want to 
you know, obviously thank the people on the panel, especially Core and um, Ms. Young. And again, congratulations, Ms. Young, on your potential award. That's awesome. And um, hope that we can offer some insights about what's going on here. And thank President Nez for sure and Mr. Bluehouse about their leadership that they've shown here, which is one of the reasons that we have done so well compared to some other jurisdictions that will remain nameless. Um, thank you for your support. Awesome. Uh, so we have a couple of physicians and our president of the Navajo Nation with us to answer the many questions we have been hearing in Native communities. So let's dive in. Um, this first question is for all of the panelists. Uh, in reflecting on the year that we've been through, what is unique about Navajo culture, community that contributed to the success of the response to COVID? Okay, I guess I can start, Allie. Um, you know, uh, the Navajo people have doing have done an outstanding job. It is because of them that the cases have come to an all-time low uh, throughout the uh, reservation. Um, it's because of listening to our healthcare professionals, our leaders, and our frontline workers. That's respect. That is how what we have been taught since we were little, you know, follow your leaders, listen to your leaders, listen to those that are experts. You know, as you saw uh, throughout the country, uh, many people protesting at uh, legislative uh, buildings saying to not put these restrictions on us. You know, you're, you're restricting my freedoms by forcing me to wear a mask. You're restricting my freedoms to tell me to stay home. But here on the Navajo Nation, I think, as a, as a people, we looked at the greater good. It's not just about self. It's about others. It's about our families, our communities, and our people. And, you know, with the teachings that have been handed down from generation to generation, we also utilize that teaching. As you know, Allie, this is a war and we're in multiple battles here. And Navajo people's teaching has said that we are in battles and wars since time immemorial. You know, starting out with the hero twins to today, there are monsters in our communities, but we are given the armor and the weapons to fight off these uh, monsters. What are the weapons in COVID-19? Your mask is armor. Your vaccination is armor. And I think with that uh, being instilled in a lot of these town hall meetings that we've done, you know, really help bring confidence to uh, the vaccine, taking the vaccine, of course, with all the uh, healthcare professionals answering questions. That was key as well. You know, there was just so much uncertainty. But throughout these town halls that many uh, communities have done, including Tuba City uh, and Chinle and other places, you know, that was uh, important that people were given the information and were able to ask uh, questions and get them answered by healthcare professionals. And we as leaders even uh, got our vaccinations on television just to let people know if we're telling our citizens to get the shot, then we're going to get the shot as well, first off. And I think 
uh, a balance of our, our way of life teaching and what uh, the scientists and the public health experts have been uh, sharing throughout this pandemic was key to really pushing back on the virus. But we're not out of the pandemic yet. And let me just highlight that we still got uh, some time uh, with this virus, you know, with the uh UK variant and the California variant now being identified here on the Navajo Nation. It is uh, uh, very important that we stay the course wearing our masks, social distancing and washing our hands, soap and water and using hand sanitizer and stay staying at home. And, and Ali, you've done an outstanding job to uh, educate our young people and the, and the need to stay home because home is where the water is, right? That's where the gish is, and that's where protection is. And something that uh, non-Navajos don't understand because uh, we have a different worldview than many other societies throughout the world. So thank you for that question. Does anyone else want to jump in? Thanks, President Nez. Um definitely have seen the, the strengths that you talk about. Uh, and uh, just from my perspective as a family doctor, another piece that I've seen uh, that's really helped has just been the strength of our families and our communities here on Navajo. Um, you know, when faced with a challenge, some of the grandparents here, um, you know, taught me in my, my, previous training would be like, let's analyze the issue and take it apart and break it down into small pieces. And they told me I'm, I'm missing the first important step. And that is that we need to begin with relationship. We need to begin with how we're all connected and how we're all related and then take on that challenge. And once we have those relationships established, then we can be stronger. So, you know, dialing all the way back way before vaccine, thinking of so many families that protected the elders in their families you know, by making them safe at home and limiting their contact early on before we knew that there were other things to do. So many families took on that responsibility. And all the way till now, when we see high vaccination rates are related to all these families that have taken that responsibility to care for each other, get each other in for their vaccinations. Uh, and um, so the family strength, something uh, uh, and I think has really helped uh, our families' unities to deal with this challenge uh, as they've dealt with so many challenges. Thanks. And just, uh, I'd like to obviously echo what President Nez and Dr. Percy has said, but one of the other things that I think is really um, interesting to me and, and has been very, I've, I've been very grateful, especially one of the reasons why I stay here on the res to, to um, work uh, on the res is people here have, as you said, respect for the, um, for the healthcare system and they understand public health is more, like you said, it's not just about them, it's about their family, it's about their extended family, it's about their community. And um, as Dr. Persia said, uh, you know, unfortunately, er almost every family on the reservation has been touched by this, by, by this pandemic, and has suffered tragedy, has suffered loss. And so when we put out um, a social media post about vaccination, and we're worried that it's not going to get to the grandmas and the grandpas or the elders in the very rural areas. Um, the younger people say, no problem. We'll get them in. We'll take care of this. 
And, and that's something I don't think would happen in, um, in a city, for example, where people are isolated and not as connected to their family and their extended family. I mean, obviously, you and I know that there were some downsides about that with the pandemic initially with family gatherings and us having to tell people that that couldn't happen. Um, something that's so critical to people's um, the way they live was very, very difficult. But as, as Dr. Percy mentioned, the um, the strength of, of whole community and extended community, I mean, all it took was like one auntie or one grandma to say, we're not going out. We're all going to wear this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to stay here and tend the sheep and you're going to bring me food. And that worked. Um, the flip side, of course, is, as you know, that some of the families that are, are not as connected struggled. And we know that that was a problem. And, and that's going to be our newest struggle is to, is to try and, and bring, um, you know, vaccine hesitant people, people that are more isolated to get vaccines so we can protect the entire reservation, hopefully. Absolutely. Thank you for those answers. I agree with all of it. And I think we need to get um, a broadband booster over to Shiprock. <laughs> Dr. Percy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I can go. I think it would be stronger for you. <laughs> um, no. So the, this next um, question is for President Nez. Uh, what role has tribal sovereignty played in the success of the vaccine rollout in Navajo Nation? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Uh, well, let, let's start with the um, <clears throat> vaccine uh, deliveries, you know, because we are we have the ability to govern ourselves and to uh, plan for ourselves. We uh, here on uh, Navajo Nation opted in to get the vaccines through the Indian Health Services. Uh, you know, we could have waited uh, for the states to do it, but because we're a sovereign nation, we said that we would want to get the uh, vaccine directly from the federal government to the Navajo Nation. And as you know, we received the vaccines the very same day as the states did. And you saw pictures of the police, you know, escorts of vaccines the very same day and being delivered out to these healthcare facilities. And, and Ali and your viewers, as of yesterday, uh, 246,465 doses have gone, gone to <clears throat> the Navajo Nation and all these healthcare facilities here. And 211,298 doses have been given. That's 85.7%. Now compare that to other states and other jurisdictions. That's very high. 90,942 of our Navajo people are fully vaccinated, either two shots of Pfizer, two shots of Moderna, or one shot of Johnson & Johnson. And, uh, you know, we are with the help of everyone on this panel and all the healthcare uh, workers throughout the Navajo Nation have done just a uh, outstanding job. Uh, you know, I was out there uh, with uh, the the warriors. I call them right. We got to call them warriors. Uh, these lady warriors on the front lines, putting their own health and well-being on the line to help our, our Navajo people in giving these vaccinations. 
early mornings, way early in the morning. I saw Doctor Who giving out shots as well. Percy and Shibrock, you know, directing traffic, giving all the information. And, and just them being there helped comfort the Navajo people because these are individuals people trust. Just as Doctor Who said, you know, they trust their healthcare system and and plus, plus their leader, right? Uh, people were blown away to see, you know, leaders like us being on the front lines. You know, they, they probably thought we would be hiding in a cave uh, doing these uh, type of meetings. But we were there uh, shoulder to shoulder with our warriors and our lady warriors. That is true self-sufficiency, self-determination and the sovereignty that has been given to us by our creator to make these decisions and sometimes we made some tough decisions uh locking down the nation mask mandates but you know what the navajo people accepted that because they knew that it would protect them and to this day uh the navajo people you know have always said that you know that these healthcare professionals are, are doing a great job for for our citizens so there's a lot of uh, appreciation that needs to go out to all the frontline workers throughout the Navajo Nation. I'll, I'll guess all over the world too, right? Right all, all over the world. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's such an important narrative. Um, I think even when we're communicating with, you know, the federal government and um, the new administration, I think it's important to say, you know, look at what we can do when we're provided the, adequate resources and funding to implement in our own communities. And I think, um, you know, the, I think we've always known that we can, um, we're capable of success when we're implementing things on our own. And I think this is just um, an example of that. And I hope that um, that they recognize it and they see it and, and they allow us more, um, you know, more access and more of those resources that we, um, we can kind of strengthen our community uh, on our own. But uh, we, so the next uh, question is for Dr. Who. Uh, can you tell us about the role 638s have played in the vaccine rollout and the COVID response more generally? And also for audience members who may not know what 638 is, if you can explain that. Ooh, you gave me that hard part at the end, huh? Um, so 638 refers to public law, I believe 94-638, which is the law um, that was uh, allows tribes um, and tribal governments and tribal um, corporations to basically, it's called the Indian um, Self-Determination Health Act. And so we, Tuba City, for example, um, Tuba City, Winslow, um, Sage, Tehotoi, uh, uh, um, a medical center as previously known as Fort Defiant in Utah, um, Navajo Health Corporation are the 638, um, we call them 638 based on that law, uh, corporations that are on uh, serving people in the Navajo Nation. And I work for one of those. Um, I started out as a federal employee for the Indian Health Service. And then when Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation um, entered into agreement with the Navajo Nation and their own corporation to become a tribal organization, our governance is slightly different now. So while we work hand in hand with the rest of the federal service units, the other five federal service units, 
Um, and we obviously maintain the same standards of care and, and try to maintain the same um, scope of practice, et cetera, um, services to the people. Um, our governance is different. We are governed by a, a um, board of directors, um, which the Tuba City and I know the Winslow Corporation, um, the tribe elected to not be the agency that actually runs the healthcare. Um, but we work in partnership, of course, with the Navajo Nation and the Division of Health. We work in partnership with the Navajo Area Indian Health Service. It allows us a little bit more leeway in terms of determining our own destiny as a healthcare organization. So, um, as you guys know, federal agencies love regulations. And so there are different regulations that the tribal corporations, um, we still have to follow the regulations, but there are different, for example, contracting regulations and hiring regulations and issues with expansion and staffing and things like that, that allows tribes and tribal corporations a little bit more control over their, um, over their facility. So I've been fortunate to have a, um, you know, a, a successful um, career, both in the Indian Health Service and with the tribal organization. And, you know, due to the leadership that we have, um, both locally and as well as, you know, with the Navajo Nation, to um, to move this forward in a different direction than sometimes in the Indian Health Service. However, with the pandemic, we all had to pull together. That was unequivocal because um, patients and viruses don't look at borders of service units. They don't care whether you're a federal agency. They don't care whether you're a tribal corporation. They don't care whether you work in, you know, where you where you live, you know. As we mentioned before, we, we thought it was pretty colorblind. Well, maybe it's not totally colorblind because of, you know, other issues and social determinants of health, which you guys are more than familiar with. But um, the 638 corporations, basically, when this pandemic hit, um, we feel that Tuba kind of got hit a little harder because we were in cooperation with Kayenta. And as you guys know, you know, sort of the, the start of the pandemic was in the Kayenta Service, which is federal, but they were not staffed as well as we were to handle the inpatient or the very sick hospitalized patients. And so we took, we take care of many of their patients. So from minute one, it was hand in hand, basically. Um, and we have always recognized that, you know, the borders are, are indistinct at best. And um, so working together is the essence of what we do all the time. The one thing that we were able to do that was a little bit different though was, um, and this is sort of a little dig at, at the federal corporations is that because we are a six-year corporation, we were able to work with them to get things like patient information and um, healthcare information to tribal agencies, healthcare information to the public in a different way because we didn't have to go through millions of layers of federal approvals to give me permission to talk to the chapter, give me permission to reach out to President Ness, give me permission to talk to my, um, you know, obviously I work through my own channels locally, but our CEO and our um, public affairs officer said we need to get this information out right away. We need to make sure um, that the people of the Navajo Nation have the accurate information as best we can. And you all know how much um, craziness there was in the very beginning. We just didn't have a lot of information. And it was changing literally, you know, daily to weekly. You know, a new paper would come out, hydroxychloroquine. Oh, no hydroxychloroquine. Oh, you know, um, you know do we use steroids? Do we not use steroids in terms of taking care of the actual patients? And then setting up the things that we needed to set up to be able to care for the Navajo people. Uh, we learned a lot from the federal agencies and the federal service units. And like I said, we had <laughs> Zoom became our friend and our enemy. 
and the bane of our existence, as you know, so that we could network and we had to develop new ways of taking care of patients. But because, you know, patients don't also believe in um, service unit lines, we reached out to each other and said, you know, Kayenta, you really hit hard with the pandemic response. Let's help. We'll help you take care of the pediatric patients. We have more pediatricians. You know, um, Chin Lee, let's work at data together. Let's let's work together co- collaboratively. And I, I'm very um proud of our leaders, our 638 leaders, especially Mr. Davis helping coordinate and Mr. Curley, who's our board representative, to say, we want to be at the table. We want to be at the table. We want to help the, the federal government um, service units if they need it. And we are going to ask them for help as well, because we all serve the same population. Hope that answers the question. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, it gets to why we pulled this panel together, but that's and a couple of questions, so I'm going to hold on that one. Um, this next question is for Dr. Percy. Uh, what role has IHS played in the vaccine rollout? What has been key to what has been the key to their success? Thanks, Sally, and uh, thanks, President Nez and Dr. Hu for uh, your comments. Um, yeah, uh, I think um, kind of putting that stuff in perspective, part of uh, the role in the vaccine rollout was all the things that went before that. So, you know, for the past year, uh, both the IHS and 638 facilities have been providing a lot of care to COVID patients. And in my work in community health, we also recognize that most of the COVID patients, uh, patients dealing with COVID illness, were not in the hospital. Most of them are at home. So lots going on with that. And all across Navajo, there are teams of case managers and contact tracers that were supporting hundreds and hundreds of people every day on the phone. At the peak of our our biggest peak, we were getting more than 60 new cases a day in Shiprock and following each of them until they had completed their isolation. So sometimes, you know, having, uh, you know, 600, 700 calls to make uh, to those folks and then hundreds more calls to their, um, to their contacts. So we had a big team providing support to families. And just as President Nez said, you know, listening to those families to understand uh, how difficult it is to maintain isolation. Uh, And our job was to do whatever we could to support them through isolation. Uh, And some of the other partners here on the call with Protect the Sacred and CORE really helped the family support piece of uh, being able to provide food, cleaning supplies, you saw President Nez at multiple events all across Navajo uh, when that those distributions were happening and being visible. I think, uh, as you point out, President Nez really gave people some confidence instead of being frightened, um, you know, feeling that they could step up, their communities are stepping up. Um, besides caring, we did a lot of testing too. And so a, lot, a ton of our work early on uh, was in bringing testing both to all the facilities and then out to our communities and doing hundred, you know, many, many, many uh, community testing events, uh, testing hundreds of people at each one. And then when the flu vaccine came out, we uh, had a chance to do a test run for COVID vaccination and really get the wheels back onto our processes for bringing vaccination out to communities. And uh, that really helped. Uh, one big role IHS has played, as President Nez mentioned, is managing the supply chain for vaccine for Navajo. So when it comes out from manufacturers and from 
uh, federal sources, um, getting it from the warehouse out to where it can be distributed and make its way into patients' arms, um, keeping that whole chain moving uh, and uh, in, in a safe way so that the, the vaccine can get out and be effective. Uh, that's been a big IHS role in I would echo Dr. Hu's comment that um, the advocacy from the Navajo Nation at the federal level has enabled us to have a supply, enough vaccine so that we can get it out to our communities. Um, the biggest role is really just being a vaccine provider. So just part of the story there, uh, way back, uh, as President has said, at the very start, December 16, we first had the vaccine available. And we began providing it to healthcare workers and first responders, our EMTs, um, the folks that uh, have direct contact with patients. And at the same time, we thought it was important uh, to also reach out, not just to healthcare workers. And so we began with high-risk elders, those that aren't able to leave the home. And for two or three weeks, uh, we were doing healthcare workers and high-risk elders with home visits by the public health nurses trying to reach as many as possible. And then on January 6th, we finally had enough vaccine available that we thought we could begin uh, the community events. And uh, that first event, we anticipated maybe four or 500 people coming in, more than 1,700 people came. Uh, we just kept vaccinating into the night by flashlight until we were out of vaccine um, because that was that first group uh, that was so interested in wanting to get their vaccine. By now, uh, all across Navajo, both uh, federal and IHS and 638 sites have done uh, hundreds of community events uh, for us here in Chiprock. We just finished our 38th uh, community vaccination event. Uh, we initially focused on those over 65, and right now we... If you look at all the people over 65 that we serve, more than 95% have gotten at least one shot and more than 88% are completely vaccinated. So um, protecting the elders really in, in partnership with families and uh, CHRs, public health nurses, um, that's really gone well. Um, you know, some of these community events, that's been good to see President Nez out there. Uh, helping us at these events, helping to promote them. And uh, just thinking about it uh, the other day, it seems hard to believe since it's like 70 degrees today, but about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we had an event in the snow and hail and blowing wind. And the initial uh, you know, comment was, well, maybe we should cancel it because the weather's so bad. And when we looked and saw several hundred people waiting, we knew that we couldn't cancel it. And by the end of the day, we had uh, vaccinated more than 1,500 people in the snow, in the hail. And those are all people, you know, our team was amazing to be out there in the snow, but also those patients and those families were amazing to come out and not to say, oh, it's snowing, I'm not going to go. Uh, so they came out and uh, made sure that they got um, themselves vaccinated. Right now, we're sort of in a phase of um, we've reached many, many of the people who are eager to get vaccinated. And uh, the groups we're reaching out to now, as Dr. Who mentioned, are those that are a little more hesitant. We're also, because now we have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, we've been doing some uh, kind of street outreach and reaching out to the folks that don't have stable housing, uh, giving shots under the bridge. Uh, just yesterday, I was in Farmington and some of the 
the parks where the folks that don't have stable housing hang out and uh, they were eager to receive Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Um, so, you know, we're reaching out to different populations, not just doing uh, events where people come to us. I guess the last role I just mentioned uh, is this idea of keeping track is always important. So there's a lot of the uh, data entry and tracking. We have to put this information into uh, different systems to kind of keep track of, of how much is going on. And we're um, excited to see uh, the kind of numbers that uh, President Nez is sharing there. Uh, and what, what helped, I think, one of the biggest deals is that we were able to build on relationships that were already there, uh, especially in working with our families and communities. Uh, over the years, some of our health promotion projects like Just Move It, which was a, is a fitness uh, and wellness promotion activity that happens at all the chapters. You know, our teams of our IHS staff, plus our tribal partners in health education and CHRs, you know, they know how to move big groups of people. Uh, you know, many of our events were more than 1,000 or 2,000 people for Just Move It. So they already knew how to do that um, in a respectful way that respects uh, both their privacy and their time, uh, gets a lot of people through a chapter site. So we were able to build on that. And then we worked closely with all of our local chapters all across Navajo in community wellness planning over the last several years. And those relationships with the chapter leadership and the chapter workers at each place uh, really helped us uh, to make the community vaccination events um, work in a good way. Um, we weren't starting from scratch. We were starting from strong relationships that were already in place and uh, uh, some strong experience in working together uh, with large groups of people. So I think that really helped uh, make this work in a good way. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that work, Dr. Percy. It's just been amazing to see and I've uh, witnessed it as well. Um, been to a couple of the vaccination events and yeah it's just incredible and um that that was the thought i had when the vaccine rollout started was i was like i feel like shiprock and that team the crew over there is going to handle it really well because of you know i've also been to the just move it events and uh, really smart to just build on that system um, but this next question is for everyone, and you've kind of touched on this, so if you have anything else to add, and as I mentioned, um, the reason that we brought this panel together is because, you know, I think it's really important to speak to the collaboration and coordination that has happened between the different entities on this call. So we have the 638s, we have someone from IHS, which is federal. And then we have um, President Nez from uh, the Office of the President and Vice President. And so kind of at that executive level and a tribal leader working with these um, two other entities, one Navajo Nation, one um, federal, um, to kind of work together. And I think um, this pandemic has definitely brought you all closer. And I think it's really important to speak to that collaboration and kind of building off of it going forward. So uh, the question is, how has the increased coordination between IHS and 638s led to the success of the vaccine rollout? So that's open to everyone and you guys have touched on it. So whatever you have to add. Well, Ali, uh, you know, the, the collaboration was there prior to the pandemic, but it got 
even stronger because of this virus that has plagued our people. You know, early on, before our even our first positive case on the Navajo Nation, we started the uh, Navajo Nation COVID-19 preparedness team. We developed meetings, getting all the partners together and to make sure that we're ready because there was news that was coming from uh, the Northwest, you know, Washington State, Oregon coming down. And so we uh, here started planning and I'm glad we did because we uh, and I, I want to commend Dr. Jill Jim, you know, our Navajo Department of Health executive director, who was also on the uh, Biden-Harris uh, COVID-19 uh, team as well, brought the HCOC, the Health Command Operations Center, uh, and all the partners. You got the epidemiologists. Uh, I'm probably going to forget someone so please don't be mad at me if i forget you those viewers got indian health services 638 the states and the counties uh the federal agencies you know you had fema you had uh, army corps uh, recently department of defense and many others core john hopkins center for american indian health and other friends of the navajo nation of course protect the sacred and, you know, I saw a collaboration and still ongoing today. Matter of fact, every week, every day we get updates. Uh, I give updates as well of what we're doing and just to keep everybody on the same page. And, you know, we surround ourselves with these healthcare professionals, scientists and experts. And that's how we make these decisions uh, for the Navajo people. For instance, right now, we're in a gradual reopening. We're focusing on our people. And then we always ask our visitors, you know, please be patient with us. I know we're close to our visitors, uh, but they know how hard hit Navajo has been. And we just ask uh, for your patience and we will reopen uh, to our visitors. Uh, but we want to focus on our citizens here on the Navajo Nation. And that also affects the reopening of schools. You know, right now, it's all virtual only. That's the official position of the Navajo Nation, virtual only. And I know some entities out there are pushing back on that, but we just uh, respectfully ask, you know, we have schools that are uh, going back into session and, you know, it's no... Uh, secret that um, Shiprock has had a couple of outbreaks in the school system because they uh, they started school again. And so our, our uh, young people are not vaccinated yet. And so that is the reason why we make that decision. You know, our adult population, yeah, about, what did I say, about 90,000 plus are fully vaccinated, but that's just adult population. Uh, and a lot of our young people do have some of those uh, underlying health conditions, you know, they're in that most vulnerable population category and we got to, you know, keep them safe. And uh, these, especially now with these two variants, the UK variant and the California variant that has been uh, found here on the Navajo Nation. And so are we ready to reopen to visitors? Uh, public health experts have said no, not yet. And, uh, you know, because contact tracers, they have 
you know, they've been doing great working around the clock. Um, all the contact tracers have said that, you know, the, of course, <laughs> the virus comes from off the nation onto the nation. And it's sometimes our own relatives who bring it back. And also and now we're going into tourism season. Uh, it's very concerning. But, you know, uh, the health and well-being of our Navajo people is of utmost importance. And I think everybody can agree about, about that. And we just want to keep our people safe. Thanks. So, Allie and, and um, others present, one of the things that um, I think that we have really learned from this is that public health is important. And um, one of the things that I think that the, the president and the vice president and Dr. Jim and all of us on this call have always felt that. And we've been fortunate that this um, sovereign nation and this administration believes in science and asks, asks for information, doesn't ignore information and um, asks for advice, um, as do the providers and the public health teams. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting is, as I look back at what happened in Arizona <laughs> and what happened um, in New Mexico, and they're very, two very different stories as well, um, where politics and um, positioning oneself with your constituency sometimes trumped, I shouldn't use that word, right? Sometimes um, overtook the, the public health priorities. And, and the public health priorities here have always been paramount. And fortunately, and maybe Dr. Percy can speak this as well, it, it leads to what he was talking about in terms of the community outreaches. We've always been, even whether 638 or tribal, uh, 638 tribal or, or Indian Health Service, our, we initially were part of the public health service. We are the public health service. And so that has never been um, left behind as it has in many of our other um, non-native communities. Sometimes we don't do a great job with it, but you know, for example, stuff like you know community wellness, like disease prevention, like you know childhood immunizations, all of those things have always been benchmarks for us. We've never left those behind, and we don't operate in a silo as many private healthcare corporations do, um, or even county health departments do. And so I think that was the other reason that we were so successful is that we said, you know, this is a public health priority. We will take pediatricians like myself off the front lines and put them in a public health position so we can organize this. We won't have to wait for someone to volunteer. We won't have to wait to, you know, to get consensus. We must do this. Um, you know, we have surgeons doing swabbing in the, you know, in our, in our triage tent. We have, you know, our PAs are out there on the front lines also in the snow and in the rain, you know, screening people to get vaccinated, you know, midwives, things like that. So repurposing people, that's kind of our, the name of our game a lot, repurposing money, repurposing staff, repurposing, you know, PPE, you know, that's what we do. And, and let's be honest, we've always kind of had to scrape through, um, with inadequate funding. So we're really good at repurposing stuff and people and things like that, but super grateful also to the, to the nation for saying, you know, Indian health service, six or eight, you need more help. So willing to say, we will commit to asking for CDC help. We'll be asking for FEMA help. We'll be asking for, you know, um, DOD help. Cause we couldn't have done that without the, the nation also agreeing to that and the nation looking forward at the other public health issues. For example, the genomic surveillance, genomic surveillance. We are now, sort of moving ahead of what a lot of other communities have to understand what's going on with the variants in our population. I mean, not only do we have the California and the um, UK variant here, but, you know, you have all heard that, you know, TGen and ASU found an Arizona variant, not on the rest, but there's now a new Arizona variant, right? The virus wants to survive. The virus is going to try its best to survive. So 
as long as we're all in communication and we have that public health goal in mind, I think that's one of the, the lessons that we've learned is, is being nimble and how to be as nimble as possible to stay ahead of the virus is what we really had to learn. Yeah, thanks, Diana, and uh, thanks, President Nez, as well. Um, I'm right there with you on, uh, on all of those uh, comments and thoughts. Um, definitely the public health focus for both Navajo Nation, for IHS, for 638, and for the other partners, you know, some of them on the call here with Johns Hopkins and CORE and others, you know, is really focused at that level of families and communities and health for that whole group. We're not talking about, um, you know, sort of a one disease at a time or, you know, a real focused illness-based operation. Um, what we learn again, you know, over and over, we keep learning that grandparents really knew what they were talking about. And uh, the focus on keeping things in balance and keeping things uh, on a wellness focus uh, has been really uh, important. One real concrete thing about coordination between IHS and 638, you know, not all of our facilities uh, have access to the super cold freezers that are needed for um uh, for one of the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine. So uh, some of us have been holding the vaccine for others and then transporting it out to other sites. And uh, just last week, I was, uh, we had a big event coming up and we had run out of Johnson & Johnson. We got a big demand for it here. Uh, so Tuba City, a 638 site, was willing to share uh, some of the vaccine that they had uh, back to us here in Shiprock. And then the next week, we sent some back to them. So we're able to move the vaccine around to where the need is uh, on a day-by-day -day and week-by-week -week basis. And that flexibility uh, has been great uh, to match up uh, the demand from our patients to the supply that we're able to provide to them. So uh, that's a real sort of logistics-oriented uh, thing. But there's lots of stuff that has made this help. So made this work in a good way. Thanks. Awesome. Um, so we're... Coming up on time, I'm going to um, skip ahead to one more question, to the last question here. Uh, speaking of politics, I actually have to, I'm speaking on the Harvard Women's Law Association panel about politics and grassroots organizing. So um, we'll be speaking about the Arizona bills that are trying to be passed to suppress our votes. Um, <laughs> So it's something that we're fighting next. Um, the next, the last question here, and this is for everyone. What are your reflections and or lessons learned over the past year that you would want to share with other tribes? And I, we formulated this question because I really do feel that Navajo Nation has been a model throughout this pandemic. Um, the way that we've you know, fought our way through the pandemic and now with the vaccine rollout. So that's open to all of you. Well, let me start by just saying that, you know, we've learned a lot over a year with this pandemic here. And uh, with the limited resources, you know, that was mentioned, uh, Dr. Who and Dr. Percy, their facilities should uh, be fully equipped. And, and now our fight is toward uh, Washington to make sure that uh, the Indian Health Services uh, get their share of funds 
to improve the healthcare systems uh, and for us here on, uh, on the Navajo Nation. And so a, a lot of those lessons learned is what we are um, teaching our congressional delegation. I think uh, we realize the um, inadequacy of the healthcare system all across the country and are revealed a lot, not just in tribal communities. And so we're thankful that there is uh, funding in the CARES Act and the American Rescue Plan Act, uh, but uh, there is a lot of need in Indian country, you know, for in infrastructure. Uh, and uh, even housing, you know, uh, we've, we've said uh, many times that multiple generations of family members live under one roof and that contributed to the spread of COVID-19. Uh, now let's build some homes, but uh, I hope we don't get disconnected when every family has their own home. I think that was one of our strengths, really, to have uh, multiple generation living under one roof, the teaching uh, traditional and cultural teaching was handed down uh, a lot quicker and easier because of that. Now, if your auntie moves out, your uncle moves out, grandma moves out, then there's a connection loss, really, uh, in a way, in a way. You know, and you're right. Uh, Dr. Fauci did say that. You know, we had him on a town hall meeting and commended the Navajo Nation for their work. Uh, he call it a case study, we call it a model of how you can uh, reduce, slow down the spread of COVID-19 regionally. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure this will be um, talked about uh, into the future, but you can only do that uh, with the support of surrounding jurisdiction. I think Dr. Who um, mentioned that. You know, we, we got to have the state of Arizona step up and follow the same protocols that are being recommended by the CDC and the health experts. I wish many leaders throughout the country would have followed the science. And maybe because uh, maybe if they did that, you know, we would have seen. Uh, less cases. Who knows? You know, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty. Is, is that what the saying goes? Uh, Navajo is my first language, so I get caught up on some of this in English language stuff. But I think really uh, we have seen some people recognize the work that the Navajo people have done and the health experts have done. And that was the only reason why uh, we we managed to get a hold of, of the virus here. And, and I guess, it, yeah, there is a time for celebration. Uh, but there's also, we're not out of the pandemic yet. And that's also the continuing message that we need to get everybody vaccinated, those that want it, you know, and continue to mask up and all those protocols. Because um, who knows? These vaccines, we may have to get it every year, just like the flu shot. Uh, we don't know yet, and we don't. There's still some uncertainty into the future. So, my last comment is just to let everybody know that uh, we got to continue to fight. We are on the front lines of this monster called COVID-19, and in Navajo they say "Hadainosne," 
meaning to stand strong and be resilient. And just as our ancestors have been uh, since time uh, immemorial, we've gone through some of these tough times, but we came together just like we did throughout this pandemic to fight these battles and to fight the war. And just imagine if we could put a lot more effort like we did with the pandemic to the like towards the monster of alcoholism, towards the monster of suicide. Just imagine how we could fight and push back on those modern-day monsters. But we can do it, and we have an opportunity to do that, and we see some money coming in from the federal government, which we appreciate, to improve the quality of life for our people. Uh, and I hope that uh, brings pr pride into our local communities and to remind our people, remind our citizens that we are strong. Our ancestors blood flows through each and every one of us today. So we will be overcomers. Thank you. I think I always get to talk next because I'm faster on the unmute than Dr. Percy is. Um, so just a couple of things. Once again, appreciate your comments, um, President Nez. And, you know, one of the things that I think um, that we've learned here is communication is essential. Collaboration is essential finding people that are smarter than you and asking them the, the critical questions and inviting them to participate is essential. Um, you know, we couldn't have done this in the very beginning, especially without, you know, especially, you know, we turned and said, Hopkins, Partners in Health, CDC, we need you. And, and they answered the call. And I hope that this doesn't become a, you know, a one and done. I hope that we obviously, you know, especially for example, you know, Hopkins core, you guys all answered the call. I hope we can continue to have a partnership. You know, even if we, do stomp on coronavirus. There's all, so many other issues that need to be addressed, as, as the president has mentioned. Ali, you know, with your team as well. Um, the spirit of volunteerism, the spirit of of, um, of joy in helping others, has been amazing. I mean, that's one of the that's one of the, the few rewards in this stupid pandemic is like, you know, seeing how people stepped up um, and to to make sure that people um, are given the opportunity to step up and that we don't close those doors and that we move forward on other health agendas, but also, you know, this is not gone yet. And as, as the president has said, you know, we have to stay vigilant. And, and, we, and I ask all the people on this call, as well as those who are, who are watching or listening, how can we better serve you to continue to stop this pandemic? So, for example, for those that might be vaccine hesitant, for those that may be very isolated or have other, um, you know, social concerns or issues regarding housing or running water or things like that, it doesn't stop with this pandemic. It's been there all along, and we have to keep moving forward with that. Um, and, and the other thing is also, like I said, continuing our, our partnerships for um, as we move forward, um, especially with great organizations like yours and CORE, Hopkins, Partners in Health, et cetera. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Dr. Hu. Thanks, President Nez. Um, this is Chris. And just uh, echo those comments and conclusions that uh, you guys are bringing up uh, only a little bit uh, add just to put some uh, exclamation points on some things we've already said, you know, uh, definitely a public health focus rather than a, a sickness focus, you know, that there was so much energy around caring for sick people with COVID, which was super important, but also helping families to stay uh, in isolation and quarantine to prevent the spread helping families to get each other in for a uh, vaccine uh, and, and supporting uh, families. So just even in the communication comment that was made, 
you know, our most effective communications tool is when family members tell each other. Right now, I get more and more people rolling into our events saying, I'm coming because everybody else in my family has already got vaccinated. And I guess it's finally time for me. It wasn't a convincing. It wasn't a bunch of scientific facts. It was just, I was kind of waiting around and seeing my family. And now I'm ready to do it. Uh, I've been incredibly proud of all of our team members and the collaboration here. And, uh, you know, the, this sickness uh, has humbled us. Um, you know, a, 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 an approach of humility is always a good place uh, to start uh, in, in, in a core place uh, that uh, the grandparents teach us all the time. You know, we don't have all kinds of power. But together, we're definitely stronger. So the emphasis on collaboration, the emphasis on the strength of our families, the strength of our communities as the thing that's helping uh, has been really important um, in this call today. And uh, we appreciate uh, the support and the partnership with all the folks that are here. Um, and uh, as Dr. Who is mentioning, you know, this isn't a COVID only deal, um, you know, partnership with CDC, partnership with uh, with Hopkins team, partnership between the tribe, the 638s and the federal IHS, you know, has been going on uh, for years around other prevention and uh, health related uh, issues. And that will keep going on afterwards. So uh, this has tested us. Uh, it was very good that we already had relationships in place. So we didn't have to figure each other out. We already knew how to work together and uh, knew that this was an incredible challenge. And we also uh, just go back to the core of it really as the strengths of the culture, the strengths of our families and the strengths of our communities. Uh, last part is just, at, you know, there's a celebration piece, but there's also a community healing piece. And for our families and our communities that have lost so much and lost so many people, and really lost a whole year of the way that we are together. Um, each of our communities is kind of figuring out what needs to happen to start to heal from that, to start to come back into balance. And whether that's, uh, you know, that's paying attention to not just the physical part, but also the spiritual, emotional and relationship parts uh, that are so important to our health. So uh, we appreciate Ali, you pulling us all together uh, and getting the message out. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing stories from other uh, tribes and uh, other parts of the country that are also, you know, doing their best uh, to deal with this terrible illness. So thank you. All right. everyone. And before we close up, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, Protect the Sacred. Last week was our uh, one year anniversary um, last Wednesday. And so um our friend Mark Ruffalo is supposed to be on this call to kind of kind of integrate and celebrate that piece, but um, he could not make it, unfortunately. Um, and we send him best wishes and um, condolences as well. A close friend of his uh, passed away recently. Um, but everyone, thank you so much for joining us. President Nez, Dr. Percy and Dr. Hu, we appreciate your time, as well as all of the audience members who tuned in to listen. Yeah.